0: Welcome to Call on Figueroa, the only podcast breaking down the Lakers, Clippers, and Sparks. I'm your host, Edwin Garcia. Joining me today, per usual, dar en a.k.a. Dime Dropper. This is episode 17.2, Dime. What happened, man?
1: Technical difficulties. Our, our boy Fabian in the back accidentally deleted the tape uh, on an accident. Shout out, Fabian. Um, he was very apologetic, though, poor guy. Um, and here we go again, redoing the episode. But honestly, I think this is better because now we've finished every single L.A. game till the All-Star break. So we can just basically talk about it as if that's it. You know, we still had the Jazz game and the Clippers against the Warriors to talk about after the All-Star break. I feel like it's nice to just have the nice cutoff here right at the All-Star break. We're done with the L.A. teams for now.
0: Yeah, 100%. So I'm going to let you, dealer's choice, um, I'm going to let you decide. We can either go in order uh, with uh, the the last game we haven't recapped yet, which is Clippers-Pelicans, or we can jump right to uh, the recent game with, with, uh, um, you know, maybe Clippers-Warriors, Lakers, um, Jazz. How how do you want to go with it?
1: I say we just knock them out in chronological order. Just give them the nice rundown. So you said Clippers-Pels first? Yeah, Clippers-Pels, yeah. I was at this game and it just continues to be a bad matchup for the Clippers playing against new Orleans. We had actually kept Zion and Brandon Ingram at bay for most of the game, but CJ McCollum was really the star. And I thought Herb Jones did a really good job on Harden. And I think Kawhi Leonard in that game only shot 10 times, if I'm not mistaken. And they outplayed us. I don't know what else to say. We just missed a lot of shots as well. And I remember thinking like the Clippers are on a heater. This was the first game back from the road trip. Mm -hmm. And they finally had a poor shooting night, but credit the Pelicans defense as well. And then Zion started turning up in the second half. And I remember Ty Lou just kind of left Mason Plumley out there and he was getting abused and zoo kind of still on that minutes restriction. So he wasn't fully able to play as many minutes as he could to deter Zion at the rim. So good win for the Pelicans. And we continue to lose to those guys.
0: Yeah. Pelicans. Um, it, it's one of those, we- there's weird things where I still feel like if they're in a, in a series against each other, which might happen, you know, we'll, we'll see. I still feel like, you know, the Clippers probably are fine, but you know, the the Pels play hard. And like, like we mentioned before, I think that the, um, that in-season tournament was a a blessing in disguise getting embarrassed against the Lakers. They let them know, Hey, like, this is the level, like shape up, you know, and and for Zion, he really got the smoke. As we know, Stephen A went, like, he just went off on him, his weight and this and that and how he looked. And, and it didn't help when, you know, the team played bad. So it's like, even if that stuff was, was BS or unnecessary, it's like, well, you played poorly. So people are looking for, you know, excuses and reasons. And, you know, the out of shape, you know, kind of trope you know, reared its ugly head. But since then, you know, they've been playing so good. I mean, 30 and 21, that's nothing to sneeze at at all, especially in the West. And yeah, they they played the the Clippers well, those games are tests for the the Pelicans um, as well just like they're tests for, you know, the Clippers on how you're doing with, you know, not the top team in the East, but like, contending team and looks like a team that's very likely going to avoid the play and, and be a top six team you know we still got ways to go but they're kind of going that way so yeah good win for the pelicans they were able to pull that one off all right Thursday was the day we talked about it before um but let's let me rehash <laughs> show you the, how I got these scars <laughs> Thursday Thursday was just a, a zoo here in Los Angeles um there was some speculation on some moves from the clippers uh they didn't end up doing anything and we'll get into where things are with the clippers later on their roster and a couple players but at on trade deadline day it came and went nothing the lakers how many rumors did we hear how many stories did we hear but guess what nothing not a thing not even a small nothing you know delos on the team everyone's on the team everything's the same nothing happened so it was much ado about nothing um I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, One is, again, it takes two teams to make a deal. I kept trying to tell people that people made it sound like, you know, like the Lakers had all these great offers and just said, you know what? No. And it's like, (laughs) it didn't necessarily work like that. Uh, There were some deals that could get done. But again, find balance between upgrading and hemorrhaging your future for a slight upgrade. And that was ultimately, they didn't do anything there. Not only was it trade deadline day, which was at 12 o'clock West Coast time, at i believe it was 3 30 we had the or three o'clock we had the statue unveiling uh for kobe bryant uh his statue was unveiled and and uh, and a kind of a not a private ceremony but semi-private it was only a few select people were able to view it you know maybe like about a hundred or so and then we had after that a game so it was just nuts a a trifecta there (laughs) and uh luckily you know um i always say you know i don't know Dime, did you ever watch the Nicolas Cage classic Lord of War?
1: I have not, sadly.
0: Well, I'm going to spoil the end, even though it doesn't really spoil the movie. So I'm just going to drop one of the, my favorite lines in the movie. Um, Nicolas Cage's character says, um, there are two tragedies in life. Not getting what you want and getting it. And I thought that's just like an incredible bar to be like, wow, either way, you're kind of <laughs> you're kind of going to be messed up. And th- that's something that I felt definitely that day. Because... These are the things I dream of, right? Like covering these moments, but then guess what? That also means you gotta cover these moments, which means I was working from like 6 a.m. until like two in the morning. And again, I I, I love it; wouldn't have it any other way. But my goodness, was I tired <laughs> throughout the whole day. Uh, but it, so it, it was a lot to cover: trade deadline statue and the game. We briefly touched on the the no trades happening, so I'm gonna jump right into the statue unveiling. And uh, for me, personally, I was lucky enough that I was allowed to be in the building and and be able to cover it. But I wasn't actually in the kind of they kind of created like this tent thing outside uh, where the where the uh, statue is present for everyone to view now. But at the time they just had it there, they kind of built a tent around it. And I wasn't one of the people who was able to view it there. So I actually watched it from the media room. And I was in there in the building for that and, and et cetera, et cetera, and everything else involving that day. So that's kind of where my um, like view was. Um, the best way I can describe it to like the general family, what does that mean? It means that I, pro- I watched it technically earlier than everyone else because, you know, the TV feeds like, you know, 30 seconds a minute slower than like what's there live. Um, so kind of like when you watch a game live, if you're like literally tweeting the minute something happens, you're probably spoiling it for people because you're, you're actually there. Like you cannot, it cannot happen faster than what you're watching versus how long it takes for like things to be streamed and, and show up on, on cable and on like, you know, tablets and what have you. So that's kind of what my experience was. And yeah, it was, it was heavy. It was emotional. Uh, There were some people in the room you could hear like tears and crying and like, you know, that kind of heaviness up, you know, Vanessa Bryant mentioned that she wanted it to be a celebration more than like a funeral feeling. I think in general it was, but it was just hard to get away from the fact that, man, like he's supposed to be here for this. Like, you know, Shaq was there for his. And, you know, ideally, you know, um, everyone would be there for for their unveilings. You know, Kareem's got stuff there. You know, Magic has stuff there. Uh, If LeBron one day gets one there, he should probably still be around, right? Uh, We just saw this past week, uh, Magic got his jersey retired. Imagine, you know, that happening for someone like Kobe. Luckily he was there for that, but... It's just, you know, it just, he shouldn't be gone. You know, it was a freak accident and, and that's what it was, but um, it, it's something that's definitely heavy and it, it doesn't take too long for you to start feeling that, especially in LA as, you know, I'm sure Diane, you, you know better than most how ingrained in the fabric of, of the community in the city he is, regardless of Clipper, Lakers, you don't even have to like basketball. You, you can't go to a coffee shop or get a taco without seeing a Kobe mural at some point. Like, you know what he means to the city, right? So, all that kind of led to that. And it was an emotional moment and it was, you know, heavy and it was still cool to see it and have him unveiled it and people responding to it. Um, and then um, right after, oddly enough, Palinka talked, which is rare because Palinka doesn't talk too often unless it's a major signing and usually sometime after the trade deadline. So, it was kind of weird. We just, I just got a message like, Palinka's going to be in the media room like in 10 minutes. I'm like, okay. <laughs> no one, no one told us anything. So, we had to kind of scramble for that and kind of, Balance covering uh, the statue while also talking about, hey, you did no trades today. Like, what was up with that? And you know, I'm gonna paraphrase a little bit. Obviously, I don't have the quotes on me right now, but he basically just said that uh there there weren't any deals that were going to really help push the team in that direction. They didn't see anything that that um giving up what they would have to give up really made sense. And he described it as you can't buy a house that's not for sale. So I thought that was pretty interesting, saying that hey, like again, it takes two. It's like if you don't want to, then. Or if you want to only if, like, it's highway robbery, well, then, you know, it's like me saying, hey, you know, you can have my computer for $5,000. And it's like, okay, well, it's not worth 5000 Like, this is ridiculous. And it's like that kind of conversation, that it, according to his perspective, that, that's kind of how things were. And that's where things ended up. So we will have that. And before we go into the game, I just want to get your thoughts Diane what was your experience? Have you seen uh, the statue? Did you watch the presentation? Like, what was it from your perspective? Um, you know, uh, on that day with with Kobe statue being unveiled on Thursday.
1: So that day, I actually had a, a semifinal game to coach for my sixth grade team against Sierra Canyon, and it was right before the game started that the statue was unveiled. So I was checking your Twitter feed. I was checking, you know, Laker people's Twitter feeds to see when the picture came out to Twitter at what it would look like and I was the first thing when I the first thing I thought about when I saw that statue was oh that's the post in the 81 point game so they went with number eight over number 24 then people are commenting under my tweet saying it's one of three statues there's gonna be one with 24 I was like excuse me and they said (laughs) three statues I said what I mean do we even have that much room in star plaza was my first thought not to say Kobe doesn't deserve three. Well, I mean, I think he deserves two. I think the third is just kind of, you know, as you say, such such a tragedy, and you wanted to honor Gigi in some way um, because we got to see Kobe's first two daughters so much throughout the course of his career. You know what I mean? It's funny because it's amazing the relationship fans can have with a basketball player or even you can say a hockey or baseball. You see them on TV so frequently throughout the season every day or every other day or you know the longest rest you get is three days and then the all-star break these people are in front of the tv screen and if you support your local team you can go watch them you know of course expenses vary by team but you still could watch them you know what i'm saying and Mm -hmm. it's crazy you know seeing someone like kobe every single night for somebody like myself you know, yeah, he wasn't a Clipper, but I watched Laker games every night, and he was the longest tenured L.A. basketball player in my life. I mean, of all time, actually, yeah, because <laughs> he's played 20 years with one franchise, and only Dirk Nowitzki passed that. So nobody has played in one place longer than Kobe besides Dirk. And so to ev- enjoy that, you you know, you get to see him so much, see his family so much. I remember when the Clippers had little Chris. I saw a little Chris. Uh, he was playing our eighth grade team a couple of weeks back, and it was just crazy to me. You know, I remember when this kid was felt like one of us. You know, he's always at the game. so uh, it's nice to see three statues. I'm really just curious about the placement of all this. And no, I haven't seen the Kobe statue yet with my own two eyes. Um, I think it's gonna. It has some interesting aspects to it. Uh, I think the face they could have done a little bit better with. Not gonna lie, but the pose. You know, I like the triangular base to represent the triangle offense that he won all his chips running with phil and i got to meet phil and i told him great speech that was really cool because his grandson plays in the younger league that i coach in at the park and phil jackson came and i got to talk to him for like a minute or two so that was really (laughs) cool but yeah very emotional as you said i always envisioned this day i talked about it my friends our whole lives what kobe statue is going to look like but never did we ever imagine that kobe wouldn't be there to see it so you know bittersweet but mostly bitter in my opinion um, but I'm, I can't wait to see the statue and two more. I mean, are you kidding me? That's crazy. I, I still <laughs> got to put Anje Kopitar and Drew Doughty out there.
0: Yeah, and I, I think Worthy deserves
1: one as well. Um, I think so. that, that ship may have sailed, unfortunately, for big game. How much room do we have? I mean, Anje Kopitar and Drew Doughty have played only their career with the Kings in that building and the only two Stanley Cups. Have, and they gave one to Dustin Brown. Once they gave one to Dustin Brown, Drew Doughty, and Anje Kopitar – going to have to get statues and i mean what is this an amusement park at this point or the hall of fame i mean we can't how many statues we got in star plaza people gotta walk here i love it I mean, I'm, all for, I'm all for recognizing the la greats but walk
0: on the other side baby there's plenty of space we'll we'll cross across the street at the light you know what i mean <laughs> uh, no i'm with you yeah we'll, we'll keep it short here because obviously we have other games to talk about but yeah it's a weird thing because i'm definitely not like a celebrity hero worship guy i'm like hey these are just regular people and you know just because you like this person in a movie or a TV show, like you don't actually know them. And like, just be careful, you know, you don't want to start getting into hero worship. But at the same time, like when I described Kobe to people, I describe him like the big brother I didn't have, you know, because like you said, I watched him grow up. I remember the first time I heard of Kobe, like it was my cousin telling me, there's this kid in LA and he's going to be better than Michael Jordan. I was like, what? And you know, then I saw him, you know, playing at the all-star game and that, that was like my Kobe journey. And then I, I saw the whole thing, you know, you see the whole thing, you see the ups, you see the downs, you see um, him dating, you see him having kids, you see the kids, you know, like I watch uh game seven of the 2010 uh, NBA finals pretty much every single year on my birthday. At, that's, that's at minimum. Then there's something that I just, I just get your vibe and I turn it on. I have. I already have the YouTube links and all that. And it's also available, I think, looking at bridge versions on the NBA app. So, like, I watch that one regularly for many reasons. And one of them is obviously the fact that Kobe got that one in the Celtics and all that. And you see his kids, they're celebrating with him. It's so wild seeing that video now, especially when you watch it, because you see his kids there, you you see him there, uh, David Stern's there, and you're like, wow, a lot of these people aren't even here anymore. Like, this, is, it, this isn't even that long ago.
1: It's heartbreaking, man. Bus is still there in the room. Yeah. It's really tragic. Stuart Scott is there. Like, it's just yes, a different-
0: Yes, he, he's there, right there on
1: the, you know, center court, yeah. Just a different, it was just a different time, man. And, you know- 100%. I think you can, we can speak for both of us probably that we have loved ones that were around at that time as well that so you know it's just sad sometimes you wish you could just go back for a day
0: man yeah yeah the uh one more uh tv i already did the lord of war nicholas cage it reminds me of that that funny uh clip from uh, the office where andy goes you know i wish you knew you were in the good times <laughs> before they passed and that was also bar because mm-hmm. yeah that happens and of course you know uh things happen for the reasons they happen and that's why you know we, we talk about that mama mentality and just saying hey like just Let's give it our all. You know that's why we're on this call at 11:47 when we were also on in 2 a.m. Like you know what? Let's just if this is it, like let's let's do our best. And hey, that, that's it. It's all we could do. So he he brought that out. He brought that every night. Uh, we you I know you definitely talk about. You want to see that every night. You're frustrated when you don't. You feel like you don't see it and all that. Um, and the best thing we can do to carry on that legacy is again moving kindness, moving good spirit, and give your best at what your desires are. Which is one thing Kobio was iterating. You know for. Myself and Dime, that's like basketball coverage and basketball knowledge and writing video, etc. For someone else, it might be, you know, art and painting and fashion or, or just you doing a regular job and just being a good member of the community. Like, there's different ways to do it. And that's one thing he definitely, like, stood for. And and it, it's part of the mentality that's there that, you know, that that especially this city definitely lives and breathes. People think it's just a glamour and glitz city, and it is, but it's a tough city. And then, you know, that's what, there's a reason why people come here and after three years they go back wherever they were from. They're like, you know what, I can't do this. And it's like, yeah, it's yeah. not that easy. You gotta you gotta grind it out. You gotta go for it. And with the cost of everything, you're really gonna have to show that you really want it to, to, to make it here. Um, and yeah, it's just, it, it was great to see. It's great to have it there. I'm also curious what the other ones will look like. Uh, I, I predicted the fade away. We got the finger in the air 81. So maybe we get the fade away in the next one. Uh, I'll be curious to see where they are and where they're placed, and how long they take to get. I think the easy days to predict are well. There's Kobe Day, eight twenty-four. His birthday, eight twenty-three. And then you have the anniversary of this one. You know, you could do, uh, you know, two eight. You could do two twenty-four. Those are some dates to kind of keep an eye on. And, and hopefully, we get some updates because yeah, that was definitely a surprise. Hearing there's three statues. That's that's pretty wild. All right, so let's go right into Lakers Denver. Unfortunately, they had to play a game. And again, like I understand. They're just making the schedule how they make the schedule. But why couldn't they play, you know, I don't know, (laughs) the Bulls or something? Like, why do they have to play, like, the best team in the NBA or one of the best teams in the NBA, a team they haven't beaten in five games that won the title, that swept them in the the conference finals? With all this heaviness, you know, who's getting traded? Who's going to get dealt? Kobe statue. Oh, yeah, and then the best team that doesn't care about any of this, especially the Joker, you know, he didn't care about any of that. He's like, you know, okay, that's cool. I'm going to just here's bucket bucket you know (laughs) and that's exactly what happened the lakers lost 114 106 they were right there it was the same story you've heard i could basically just copy paste their conversation from opening night or game four or game three the lakers were right there they were in the mix fourth quarter tight game guess what murray joker pick and roll they ate you know i talked about murray just being amazing like he was just almost like borderline perfect like really nothing went wrong for him and he had that that big like five point fury in the final two minutes to kind of push them over the edge because it was a one position game you know with like three minutes to go or so it was right there and he just did just enough to keep uh, the Lakers at bay and they couldn't close that game out so again they played well the Lakers were right there would not surprise me if if Lakers Denver this year would, would be a Six, seven game series, you know, even though that was a sweep last year, every game was close. Every game in the fourth quarter, if I told you bet money in this game, you would be nervous, regardless of who you bet on, because you saw how tight it was. And but for whatever reason, Denver just I wouldn't say they have the number, but they've been just good enough every single time to to usurp them and and get the victory. Uh Diane, watching this game, Lakers, Denver, what was your biggest takeaway from this matchup?
1: Man, it's so hard to beat Denver. Uh, especially when they're playing with intensity because there are some games the Nuggets just randomly in the regular season just don't show up defensively. They're locked in defensively. I mean, you see what they're capable of. And Jamal Murray, as you said, the way he's closed, going back to the conference finals last year against you guys, and then again in this game. But there were some lapses in concentration, lack of focus defensively for the Lakers late in the game, like Jackson Hayes closing out too hard on Aaron Gordon, got beat baseline, and then, Torian Prince going underneath the screen when Murray was coming off of it and already made a couple of shots. And then LeBron had a really rough fourth quarter. Couldn't really hit. He's been good in fourth quarters this season. Yeah. But Jackson Hayes, I want to say, he's really come along the last couple of games. And it started right around here against Denver. Uh, he was really effective in this game. And Austin Reeves continues to play make right after I called him out. Ten assists in this game against the Nuggets. So I thought this actually wasn't that bad of a game for the Lakers. AD, 32 points, uh, uh, nine rebounds, three steals, and four blocks. So he played well. And I think you guys missed Delo a bit. Even though D'Lo didn't play well against the Nuggets last year in the playoffs, he's playing well right now. And it's the regular season. It's one game. So I think you missed him, but not a bad performance, a valiant effort. And uh, it is what it is.
0: Yeah. Like you said, especially with that context, I don't I don't like to make excuses, but I'm not making excuses. I'm just contextualizing. Look, they had a trade deadline, a statue, and then, you know, first game back from a six-game Grammy road trip, you got to play Denver. I did not expect them to win that game. I, I, I just was like, it's just too much. It's too much to overcome. It was like three too many things. But, hey, Denver, there have been better scenarios and Denver still wins. So, you Tipped your hat to Denver. I, I hope when the Lakers play the Denver Nuggets again, they can finally get that W because it's been uh six games now straight, so they got to get one. A W the Lakers did get was against the Pelicans. This one they dominated 139, 122, took care of business. This was the very next day again. No, no, no breaks for the Lakers, uh, with this schedule. Uh, again, the, the Pelicans might not be you know greatest team on earth but they're a good team we just talked about you know them beating the Clippers and them being you know so solid um you know so far this year especially after that in-season tournament but this was an incredible game time we just saw you know again D'Lo just on a heater he was a flamethrower he had 30 points he hit six threes and he hit four in the second quarter straight and that's when, you know, he just went super sane. He just went Steph Curry. He went God mode, whatever you want to, you know, adjectives you want to use to, to describe uh, his play. It, it was just absolutely amazing. He was sensational. And really th- the driving force there that kind of spearheaded uh, that lead in the second quarter onto the, the rest of the game. You know, D'Lo just been so good. He's been the best version of himself. He was hitting threes and pointing at the point at defenders and he was getting active. I remember during uh after one three, you know, the Pelicans called timeout, he got to the corner near the bench and he started rallying up the crowd and they were going crazy. And Jackson Hayes was there, like you said, uh just, just kind of rallying him up more, like keep going. And it was just a great game. 139, 122. Uh it, it was a sensational to see the Lakers just kind of still dominate. And now all the drama of the trade deadline's over. The statue it's all done. Let's get back to basketball. And when they got back to basketball, you know, again, um, people, I know you're not one of those people dying because, you know, you know ball and you want, you can understand even if you have a rooting interest one way, like what's happening. I'm like, don't let that Lakers, you know, record fool you. This team is dangerous. They can easily upset a top one, two seed in the playoffs, depending on who that one, two seed is going to be. Their resume, when they show you their best version, they got wins against the Celtics. Wins against the Pelicans, or wins against the Thunder, you know, wins against the Clippers. Like they've done it. And they've done it when it, those teams were healthy and they were healthy. They the Knicks had nine straight wins. They went in there without LeBron or AD, and they beat them convincingly. And again, the, the Knicks also had players injured. But still, no LeBron, no AD on the road, and you win after beating the Celtics. Like that, that this team has a lot going good with them. We'll get into it a little bit more because Rui, I think, is a big part of that. And again, 139, 122 took care of business. So, what were your takeaways from the uh, Lakers-Pels matchup?
1: This was a shootout, and one of the first games, NBA games I can remember, where every starter had 20 plus points. I mean, this starting lineup of D'Lo, Reeves, LeBron, AD, and now Rui instead of Torian Prince, it's looking pretty good so far. Haven't lost right with that starting lineup. They're five and uh, zero starting with that lineup. Five and zero. I think Anthony Davis did a good job passing out of double teams in this game, which he's been doing better lately. And Rui Hachimura, 21 points on 9 for 13 shooting. But as you said, D'Angelo Russell. And I think you see this team, this Laker team, they've been really hot offensively recently. Maybe this team, when you account for the fact that their third and fourth best players are Reeves and D'Lo, is more offensive-minded than we thought prior to the season. You know, everybody was talking about the size, the defensive personnel, just given the way we saw Anthony Davis dominate last year in the playoffs defensively. And then, you know, you had guys like Vando, Dennis shooter had a really good playoffs defensively. But the Lakers haven't been that great at the point of attack. And right now, all their perimeter point of attack defenders, Max Christie, Gabe Vincent, Vando, Reddish are all out. So. The third and fourth best players in this team are offense first, not really defensive guys in D'Lo and Reeves. And when you start all four of AD, LeBron, D'Lo and Reeves, you start to see that the advantages are more on the offensive side and so be it. And you're starting to see a pace increase by the Lakers as well, looking to push, get Reeves in transition and also D'Lo for those transition threes. He was the stud, the star in this game. Reeves was four or five from three. The Lakers were 45% from three, but D'Lo Thirty points, six for thirteen from three. Just a lights out uh, shooting performance by the Lakers. Fifty-one points in the second quarter. So, yeah, good win.
0: So, yeah, we'll just uh, we'll just move on from there. But yeah, I I agree with uh, your points there on on the Lakers' offense. You know, it's interesting because I think hmm, I, I was struggling with this because I had another friend DM me. They're like, I think this is the best half court offense the Lakers have had in the LeBron era and I'm like that's a bold take but then I thought about it I'm like the numbers might kind of back that up a little bit and uh, looking right now uh the team is uh, for the season which again we're talking about now a smaller sample size where they've kind of shined here 15th in, in offense uh and ninth in half court defense I think one thing about their defense right now yeah the numbers don't really reflect an elite defense but they're sneaky good they're good at deflections they're good at steals and you know what that means deflections and steals uh deflections lead to uh, higher chance of, you know, low quality shots for the team because you deflected the ball, they got inbound it. how much time is left in the shot clock. And then steals is very simple. That leads to turnovers, which leads to fast break, which leads to a uh, more efficient offense and like a, an ability to score more. So those are a couple of things. I know the Lakers were leading the league in deflections and I think leading the league in steals or top three in steals earlier. I'm not sure where they are now, but I'm guessing they're still probably you know, 12th or something like that, maybe top ten. And they're 15th and half-court offense. And again, those numbers are the whole season in its totality, not this current window where they kind of seem to have figured it out and unlocked a, a better version of themselves. So it's definitely something I'm going to be keeping an eye on as we you know move past the All-Star break, how they look. But so far, they've been rolling. And this was kind of the first game after all that stuff where they start to show, oh, okay, well, this team has these players playing pretty good. All right, so... Clippers Pistons was next. We're gonna go back uh to the Clippers. And man, nothing like playing the Pistons to kind of right some wrongs. But I was surprised. This game didn't go the way I thought it would. Ultimately it did. The Clippers won 112-106, but a six-point win, and they needed like a monster second half to get it done. So I started thinking it wasn't gonna happen. But then lo and behold, uh the Clippers did get it done. So Dime, why Were the Clippers down by so much in this game? And how were they able to ultimately still get the win?
1: The athleticism and speed of the Pistons kind of bothered us. And it was one of those early games where the Clippers are kind of just half-assing it, playing down to the level of their competition. But James Harden and Paul George, I thought, helped us get a... James Harden was terrible in the first half. But second half, he kind of woke up. And then Paul George and Russ were really the guys. Kawhi was fine. 24 points, but Russ 13 points off the bench, five for 10 shooting, and then Paul really good to see him have a good game because he's been struggling of late. 33 points for him, very aggressive, 14 for 24 from the field. So we'll take that win, and also solid contribution from the Brewmaster Amir Coffee with 12 points. So the what Just good, good enough to get the job done, the Brewmaster. That's Brian Seaman. They call him that.
0: Oh, okay, the Brewmaster, there you go. <laughs> that's a good one. I've heard so many things with coffee, you know. Uh, it's a great name for, like, you know, puns and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that, that's cool. The Brewmaster, I like that one. All right, so after that, we have more Clippers action. We had Clippers, T-Wolves. This before was our, you know, kind of premier game. The rain was falling, you know, sky was falling. Everyone I know <clears throat> uh, talked about this game. It was one of those games where I kept hearing about Clippers T-Wolves like I'm gonna watch Clippers T-Wolves all oh, Clippers T-Wolves is today you know uh, even people who are outside of the Lakers outside of the Lakers and Clippers just NBA guys that I know were telling me like oh I'm, I'm watching this one what do you think about this one so it was one of the few times I'm like oh people like this is getting national attention again the Clippers are at that level now and the T-Wolves have been at that level so it was kind of like one of those you know let's see you know kind of a an appetizer for A's hey, it's like West Western Conference final, you know, teaser here, what's going on, how are these teams going? And I feel like more people have questions about the the Timberwolves than the the Clippers at this point. But hey, that definitely changed after this game cuz people were talking the other way around cuz the the Timberwolves dominated 121-100. You got a great game from Gobert, you got a great game all around. Edwards I think was just kind of his normal good, but when you have, you know, Talens dropping 24 and Gobert, you know, being a positive on on offense and a monster on defense, and then and just doing what he normally does. Well, now you got something that's interesting here. Uh, so this game was a, a big one. It didn't go the way the Clippers wanted. You know, I know you mentioned I saw on your uh, live mentioning how disappointing kind of Russ was. It's one of the one of the things. So I always tell people when these kind of games come up, hey, remember it's just one. If it was game one, we wouldn't say the series is over. We'd say okay. Clippers got to win game two. They win game two. Okay, we keep going, right? So, but this is all we have right now. It is the game we had. The teams knew. I think you kind of felt it. Both teams kind of knew, hey, like, let's kind of size up each other here. What's up? You know, and, and the Timberwolves came out on top. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway uh, from this matchup?
1: Second time we played them this season. Second time we've lost. Their size bothers us. I mean, one of the big issues for our team was that we got smaller in the front court, thinner in the front court when we traded Roko and Batum. And Carl anthony Towns is playing the four, and this is really working. And I got to give the Wolves credit. I don't, th- I don't think they're going to win the championship this year, but they can go to the conference finals to me now. They're not a fraudulent one seed. They're a fraudulent one seed in the sense that I don't think they can win the championship. And most times you get the one seed, you should be taken seriously to win the championship. But I think they should be taken seriously to win a series or two because their defense is exceptional and by far, and I'm saying it, by far the best in the league right now. No, just wow. by far the best in the league. Yeah, they have great point of attack, guys. Mike Conley somehow is still good at defense. I don't know how. Guarded James <laughs> Harden really well. McDaniels is one of the best in the league. I'd say he and OG Ananobi are the, my fa- uh, my favorite perimeter defenders right now in the league. Not favorite, but, you know, who I think are the best. And then Gobert is the best rim protector in basketball. I think Anthony Davis is the best defender in the league, but Gobert is going to win Defensive Player of the Year because his team's number one in defensive rating. And... It's He was dominant and he was crashing the offensive glass and Carl Anthony Towns was not settling and they were locking our guys up. And the Clippers play slow, right? We're a half-court mm-hmm. team now that we have Harden. The Timberwolves, that only helps their half-court defense with Gobert. So it's just a bad matchup. We're sl- smaller than them and slower than them. And playing slow doesn't really hurt them that much. The Ant-Man, we have a problem with staying thing in front of him. And yeah, Russell Westbrook, he has a tough time with this team because they're just going to sag off with their big, and they have several either two seven-footers in with Townsend Reed or Gobert in. And Russ misses a lot of those contested layups. So tough game. I don't think Kawhi Leonard was quite – actually, Kawhi was pretty good, but he didn't play any of the fourth quarter. I think Ty let them try to see if they could come back Harden, Paul and Russ in the beginning of the fourth. It didn't happen. And I also think Ty kind of got this one wrong. Way too much small ball. And it didn't really pay off because Russ, with that small ball, they just sagged off of him. And Gobert, with good point-of-attack defenders, makes a really good defense.
0: Yeah, no, um, that's great insight there on on that game. Um, So I
1: don't want to play them in the playoffs, Edwin. Ooh, that's tough. Well, you know, you might have to play them in the second round. But I think this is – it's kind of looking like it's going to be impossible to play them in the first round. But I would not want to play them in the first round. Inversely, though – I think the Lakers have a decent matchup with the Wolves because Anthony Davis can nullify Gobert. And, but yeah. you guys also don't have anyone for Ant
0: Man either. He nobody can stay in front of him when you guys played them. Nobody. No, he's good. He's good. He's gonna. He's, he's definitely gonna have a. Yeah, I I I don't know how the series will go. Um, I, I think I would pick the Lakers in six. I I don't think you want to go seven games because the sevens would be in their house. But I think the Lakers can get it in six. And I can guarantee you, Ant will have at least one 40 point game he might have two or three because he's that good he's that yeah. he's that good period i don't i don't think i think if he played boston he'd have a 40 point game because and and really he's at that level the reason i don't think most people view him that way is because he hasn't done it in the playoffs where people can watch it and he hasn't he it's thirty last his,
1: year in the playoffs. yeah
0: yeah yeah but i feel like they went where people thought they would so it's like oh okay so what right, right. i think he hasn't had that moment where you know he played like um I'll just make up a scenario. Like, like he plays the Celtics and everyone says the Celtics are better. And he's so good that they beat him anyway. Like that kind of moment hasn't happened for him yet. Uh, I think it's coming. And this might be the year, right? They get the one seed. Hey, you know how you get attention? Run through the West and be the guy. Just like Jimmy Butler's did in the East, right? Where anyone who thought Jimmy wasn't that guy, he's shown you two times that he is. He hasn't gotten the ultimate goal, but hey, he came out of the East kind of not single handedly, but as the main guy. He's done it twice. He's that guy, right? He has those moments, you know, playing a playing a Bucks team that's elite and saying, hey, I'm I'm taking it to Giannis. And we we got the upset. We were the eighth seed, one. We played the next team, still an eight-seed, one. Like, you know, I have shown that I can do that, right? Like Ant hasn't had those moments yet. He might get those moments coming up uh in this playoff, especially as we look at the standings later. There's some elite heavy hitters that are gonna be at that seven, eight spot. So he's gonna at least have that moment in in that early round and then We'll see how the, how things match up. Does he end up in the Clippers matchup? Does he end up playing someone like Kevin Durant in the Suns in the second round? It's going to be really fun once we get to that point. But moving on, let's go to Lakers Pistons again. I, I just love playing Detroit. You know, <laughs> I, I'm still bitter about uh, 04. Someone actually mentioned it even in my in my messages, and I was like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna run this team out the gym." They're like, "Yeah, 0-4. I'm like, "Yeah, I know, I know. It it still it still stings. Uh, but it didn't sting on this game, uh, Lakers." Pistons, they took care of business. I was definitely nervous because we've talked so much about how the Lakers have, you know, overperformed against the best teams, but they've also underperformed against the worst teams. So I was like, in my head, when I was walking to crypto, I'm like, please just, just, just win the game. Like, don't, don't get cute. Take care of business. Win the game and let's end it. Luckily, they did their stats. They led pretty much the whole way. I think they only trailed literally the first field goal. It was 2 1 Pistons. And after that, that's it. It was tied. They took the lead. They kind of ran uh, Detroit out the gym, which is what you're supposed to do. This team's not a good team. They're a young team. Uh, they made more trades than anyone in the NBA at the trade deadline. So they moved a lot of parts. You know, they're just they're growing. They're they're figuring it out. You should beat this team. You need wins to try to you know rise up the rankings in the play-in. They're just trying to kind of figure out who here is an NBA player that. Is worth investing in for an, a contract beyond the rookie one. That's where the Pistons are at, right? So, the Lakers have LeBron and AD. Take care of business. They did one twenty-five, one eleven. You had another great game with those starting lineups. You know, Twenty points from AD, twenty-five from LeBron, twenty-one from AD from Russell, uh, fifteen from from Reeves, which wasn't like spectacular, but you know he was distributing the ball well as well and grabbing rebounds. So you got a really really good game. So I was pretty happy with this, and of course this was also uh, Dean Williams' debut. We haven't talked about Dinwiddie today. Uh, Polinka mentioned during the uh, conference he had that he was focused on a ball handler in the buyout market. And that was the number one concern he wanted to address. And he addressed it with Dinwiddie. And I've seen so many things about Dinwiddie. Some people are like, oh, the Lakers are making this sound like, you know, they got Kyrie or something. It's like, no, no, no. We all know what he is. He's a double-digit scorer who's going to add depth to that position that they're lacking. And he's going to do that fans are excited about that. No one thinks he's going to come in and be like the third best guy or anything like that. He's just feeling a need that the team lacked, And that's good. 31 minutes was a lot. Uh, he's obviously, obviously still not comfortable with like, you know, the play calls and, you know, kind of just a terminology more than anything. He's an NBA player. He understands you know, five-out offense and all that. It's just, you know, understanding the words they use for this means that, this means that. That's still something he's trying to play catch-up on. So I'm sure he'll get more comfortable as, as time progresses. But I thought he, he looked pretty good. He played okay. Uh, he got thunderous applause in the stadium uh, when they announced him. So he was welcomed with open arms, local guy. So that's always good. And, and you know, hopefully all he needs to do is just hit a couple shots, run the offense sometimes, drive to the basket. You know, try on defense. No one expects him to be a world beater, but just make that effort. That's it. And then, you know, we'll see what his minutes are going to look like. But that was my takeaways from uh, Lakers' business. They took care of business. Uh, What are yours?
1: Lakers pushing the pace. It looks like you guys are really leaning into being faster with your offense of late. AD's outlet passing. Where did this come from? All of a sudden, he's throwing passes down the floor like he's Kareem.
0: Yeah, he threw an overhead one that was really
1: nice, yeah. Yeah, and Austin Reeves literally seems like he might be listening to this show because the second I said I think he's getting tunnel vision, I'm sick of him. He's ball-pounding. He's been much better in the pick and roll. Maybe part of that is D'Lo being a a great three-point shooter playing alongside him more. But I think he also just has been looking up and being more deliberate with his dribbling. That's just been my observation. No stat behind it. And... In this game, you saw him on the fast break with a couple of showtime kind of passes. Uh,
0: Yeah, some nice ones. Yeah.
1: Right. And then Anthony Davis defensively, you know, stopping three-on-one fast breaks, just dominating the rim defensively. Six blocks in 28 minutes. He had 20 points and 14 boards, four assists, a lot of hockey assists. And I thought LeBron was really solid as well. 25 points on nine for 15 shooting, kept it efficient. So solid contributions. And as you said, Taking care of business, 15-plus points from each starter. And then Jackson Hayes with seven rebounds. Uh, He's also just been very active on the glass recently. So good overall game for the Lakers and another 120-plus point game and a win.
0: Yeah. 100%. 100 percent, yeah and that three-on-one uh fast break that uh ad you know destroyed was amazing it was actually funny there was a few there was there was an, a big detroit presence inside crypto but there was a few that were peppered in right and there was one guy who was like he was so funny he was like sitting pretty close to me he was screaming the whole game like whenever they dunked and stuff you would think like even they were down 18 i'm like man this guy's like hard because he's like cheering like they just turned the tide. I'm like, buddy, like it's over. And it was really funny when that three on one happened. He's like, yeah, here we go, here we go, and he's he said he literally yelled out, easy money. And then he saw he saw him go up <laughs> and get demolished, and he literally was like, easy money. And then the block happened. He was like, oh, <laughs> I, was, I couldn't help but chuckle a little, even though I'm was, I was supposed to kind of stay straight. I'm like, oh yeah, he's like, yeah, that's it, that's AD. He's like, wow, I thought it was gonna be you know three on one. Okay, cool, let's go. And it's like, no. Ad's like you Bet you should have (laughs) passed and that's the end of that so yeah Ad was dominant as ever it was it was a a great win and uh ham mentioned this a little bit i think post game after utah that it's really one of the keys has been the team just trusting the five out that when you pass the ball it can still make its way back to you and i'm sure you deal with this with kids right like you get the ball and human nature is like this is my last chance to like kind of you know I got the ball. Like, I, I, this is my chance to score. And it's like, it could be, but if not, move it around. It can come back to you. Like, it can come back to you. It doesn't mean you gave up the shot. If there's no shot, it, it might it might come back to you just based on rotation and moving it. And that's what, that's what gets it flowing. And that's one thing Ham stressed was that he thinks that players are kind of buying into the system and saying, hey, when you get the ball, it's not your only chance to shoot, which is what it felt like with Reeves, right? Grab the ball, pound, 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 pound. I'm trying to score. It's like, hey, you don't got it? move it around. It's going to it's gonna make its way around. It's going to get the offense flowing. It's going to get the defense on its heels versus when they know you're going to get the ball. Oh, Reeves is not going to pass the ball. Let me, let me dig my heels in and we can crash on them. So I think that's been a, a big factor as well. Now, the next game we're, ta- we're going to talk about, I really want to talk about Clippers Warriors. This was such a fun one. It was such a great game. Uh, it was, again, we're getting to the point now, Diane. We're like, when the Clippers play these marquee games, everyone's watching. I don't know, how, how do you feel about that? Being being a, kind of the, the underdog team, how do you feel about the whole world kind of paying attention to these Clipper games?
1: Started when we got James Harden. Started when we got James Harden. Uh, I think that put the eyeballs from what was going to be a kind of flow under the radar season to everyone's watching now. And James Harden was unbelievable in this game. Taking advantage of the fact that Draymond was at the five, Not really a rim protector. He was getting to the rim, made a ton of great passes. And you saw some good stuff from Amir Coffey. But we were trailing most of this game. We completely Mm -hmm. trailing most of this game. Kaminga was flying all over the place. Pajimski was giving us the business. Curry was giving us the business. Then in the fourth quarter, 44 to 28, Clippers outscored him. Norman Powell hit four. Of four threes in the fourth. And James Harden created a lot of those shots. Paul George was being super aggressive one-on-one in the beginning of that fourth. Posting up Gary Payton. And you know I always say Paul George is so much better when he's catching the ball closer to the basket. Not overcomplicating his game. He drew a defensive three-second violation. A double team. And then Russ and Terrence man with the second efforts. Bunch of offensive rebounds. Terrence with the one that sealed the game. But Russ with four offensive rebounds in the game. Three in the fourth. And Zubats and Plumlee, I thought were really solid as well. So without Kawhi, who was out with the adductor strain, they say that they think he's going to be back by the end of the All Star break. What a big time win!
0: You know, totally stole the game. Huge win to go yeah. into the All Star with that. I definitely thought you guys were dead in the water <laughs> once. Once I once uh, you know the fourth quarter started, I'm like they're just it's just too much and like you know again no Kawhi, I'm like mm, I, I don't see it happening. But you know again you get some shots going a couple threes get going you know you're making key rebounds next thing you know again people keep people keep thinking the warriors are going to be different but this is who they are like when we start looking at the you people have to get away from the kd warriors even the celtics championship warriors that was a team that was focused on winning one without kd uh jordan Poole had playing the best basketball of his life andrew wiggins playing the best but that's not this team anymore Who's not there? Wiggins has not played like that most of the time. Curry's a little bit older, although he's still sensational. Clay has definitely taken a dip, and you know they've gotten older. Like they're not bad anymore, you know. And they're still good. They're still a threat. They're still dangerous, just like they were um, uh, on Wednesday night, right? They were right there. They had it. But that's the difference. That game happens three years ago. It's a, it's a, it stays a blowout loss, right? And it, they you know Clippers lose by 15. Now. You know, they they bleed a little, and if you can get them off their rocker, they struggle, and that's what happened. They they got they got rocked a little bit, and they they couldn't respond. And next thing you know, momentum went the other way. And and again, shout out to the Clippers for for taking it to them because that's still a tough team to beat. You know, they, uh, when they're at their best too, because they got Curry. You know, they they can beat anybody. It doesn't really shock you when you, you know exactly what happened if the Warriors won. It meant you know Steph went nuclear, Clay played decent, and you got like okay stats from the core. That, that's what happened. Like, I can already tell you what happens when, when the Warriors overperform. Yeah, that, that's usually the recipe. And they, they were well on their way to that. And and then the Clippers took it to them. So so props to to uh, the Clippers for doing that. It, it's tough to still do that against that team. And these are those, those are those, to me, those resilient, like, feel-good wins where you're like, yeah. Like, see, if we, we just stay focused, we're not out of any game. There's not a game that the Clippers are out of. And, you know, I, I definitely do believe that. They're a team that can score 40. Fifty and a quarter. So for the most part, you really have to keep playing until maybe three minutes left. And then if you're up by twenty, you you can you can you know clear the bench out. But other than that, you got to stay on your p's and q's because they have some really really strong offensive weapons that can that can when they get going, it's just very dangerous. And you know Harden too. He can he can get those matchups. He can get those foul calls. it, It can turn ugly fast. And yeah, I remember I, I might just for fun during this break, because we're gonna have the all-star break coming up. I might actually go listen to our old episodes because I remember that was one of the things you were happy about going into the season. You're like, oh, we're gonna go into the radar. Good for us. No one's gonna be paying attention. Man, that's the furthest from where they're at. Now everyone's paying attention to the Clippers. People right. are starting to pick them as favorites. They're a top, you know, top team in the in the West. And these matchups against the Warriors, against the you know, Timberwolves, against the Lakers, against the Celtics, they're gonna be, you know. They're gonna get millions of views and everyone's gonna be talking about whatever's happening, good or bad. So yeah, they're, they're not no they're not under the radar. That's the one thing they definitely are not this year. All right. So to conclude our matchups here, we had Lakers heading to Utah one-road game, and they're done. Uh LeBron was he ruled himself out at um after the Pistons game. He's like, Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play that game. <laughs> so we were like, Okay, cool. Well, that, that's confirmed. So we don't have to wait for an entry report. You're literally telling us you're not gonna play. Uh, which makes sense. It's, it's uh, again, back-to-back, on the road, right before the All-Star break. I wasn't, you know, surprised. I was a little a little surprised because we were talking about it, and um, with the media people I was talking to, we were like 60-40 he'll probably play, because he's, he's toughed it out for most of the year. But of course, once he announced it, that was it. And I, I was just skeptical they were going to get the win, to be honest, just because I felt like, are uh, they going to really get, you know pull this off with um, without LeBron? Uh, even though the jazz are kind of heading the wrong way they're they're losing more than they're winning you know they still got some really good players and they're at home they play pretty well at home we've mentioned how much can be kind of a hostile environment regardless of the record there so I thought yeah you know it's not going to be enough to kind of get it done but you know what it was 138 122 why because Rui Hashimura became Kobe Bean Bryant wow he had literally He had literally, he probably shot more efficiently, to be honest, but that's another story. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I mean, he was unbelievable. He had his best game in the regular season, because to me, his best games were in the playoffs last year. He had one game, he was like seven for 11 from three in the playoffs. So that's big boy basketball. But for the regular season, definitely his best game. 36 points, his career high. He knocked out six threes. 13 for 19 from the field. He had 20 points in the first half alone. They really need those 22. To me that first half was key because it was a one-point game at halftime and he dropped 20. So they needed all those points to kind of stay there as the Jazz kind of were still in the mix and they were making runs uh, in the in the first half especially. Rui kind of kept them in. He was especially the way he was scoring. He was being aggressive. He was picking his spots. He was hitting those corner threes. He was kind of doing everything playing perfect basketball and another player who was right there with him was ad he mentioned last time that lebron was out they lost and he was frustrated with himself feeling like he wasn't aggressive enough he took 25 shots 13 for 25 37 points 15 boards. he's always a monster on the board so that doesn't really stand out stand out but again it, it's it's him doing it in all phases and that's exactly what he did and d didn't have a great offensive game in terms of scoring points but my goodness 17 assists that was like half of the team's assist came just from Delos he was distributing the ball well since he wasn't like you know taking that high volume shots and that makes sense Rui's hot feed him the ball AD's getting aggressive keep him aggressive so he was four for eight he didn't really wow and again like you mentioned Reeves 22 points nine for 13 three threes seven assists. So he's all, again, he's distributing the ball as well. He was second right behind, uh you know, Tilo with, with that, that team high 17. And the team was buzzing. And what did I say about Dinwiddie? Just be a double digit scorer and try on defense. That's what he did. 10 points, four for six, 28 minutes. The minutes are a little high, but also you could remember that um LeBron wasn't there. So he takes a portion of the minutes and with players like Max Christie and Cam Reddish out right now, you don't really have too many guards. So, you know, it's a little high for me. I'd rather he be closer to low 20s, but it, with the context, that makes sense. And again, he was a net positive. So really good win. It was really great to get the win. And don't look now, the Lakers have won three in a row. They haven't really gained much ground because everyone in the West is pretty much winning unless you have a West versus West game. It's been pretty wild. You know, obviously we have our West Coast bias, but honestly, it's just a, it's just a better conference in the East. It doesn't mean that that the Celtics can't win it all because they might be the best team as much as I hate to admit that. But when you look at the conference, I mean, the records are going to show what the records are going to show. And I, I promise you the 10th seed in the West will have a better record than the 10th seed in the East. It's just, it is a different animal. Like these teams are so stacked. They're so good. It's it's really going to be a, a, a tough, tough conference this year, even more than normal. I think it's probably the second best I've ever remember it being I think the only other year I can think of dime is is the year that the uh Suns had like 50 wins and they were like the sixth seed with Shaq that was probably the best i seen the the West in terms of record and just depth this is right up there to me but uh what were your takeaways from uh from Lakers Jess
1: I didn't get to watch this one this was the one Laker game I missed this week but I will say just looking at the box score and elaborating off of what you were saying the Lakers have won 6 out of their last 7 games and in the last 4 wins they've scored 120 plus points. The yeah. offense is starting to hum. He's starting to get big assist numbers. Delo has been playing insane since the trade rumor started. Like let's be real, he has been unbelievable. Yeah. Austin Reeves has been good. The starting lineup is putting Reeves and Delo back together is working. AD's been a monster, 25 and 12 at this stage of the season, another big game. And I'm happy to hear that from Rui Hashimura. So right now, Lakers going into the All-Star break with some momentum and that was kind of a sign of the Jazz that like you're not gonna catch us, but guys, like just tank, you know you're done. But and then they lost the Warriors too, and I think they kind of sent a message as well.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that the, that's what's gonna happen with the Jazz. Uh, I know ownership wants them to tank. The players they don't care about that stuff because you know I think it's funny sometimes fans are like, oh, the team wants to lose. I mean, like, teams want to lose. They have jobs, like they're not excited about a top draft pick coming in and taking a roster spot. So they, they're trying to win, but. Management might have a different idea and, you know, performances like that make it rough. All right, let's jump right into the standings watch. Uh We've gone a little bit deep because we had more, all the games, we covered all the games. So let's go right into standings. Uh, as you've mentioned, we'll start at, at the East with number 11, Brooklyn. So they're just outside of that 10th spot for the play-in. Right now they'd be eliminated, but they're at 11. 10, we have the Hawks. This is the current uh, of, as of, uh, you know, the end of, of tonight. So we have the Hawks at 10. Nine bulls, eight magic, seven heat. And then outside of the play-in, secured playoff spots, we have number six the Pacers, five Sixers, four Knicks, three Bucks, two the Cavs, and number one still the Boston Celtics. So Dime, seeing one through eleven there, hearing that that lineup, well, what sticks out to you? What sticks out to me is nine of
1: my ten teams that I predicted to make the play in before the season are in the only one is Brooklyn is out. Chicago is in. So the non Zach Levine, Chicago bull stuff has been very surprising to me. Kobe white will win the most improved player this year. He is wow. really impressed. I think, yeah, he's going to, he's a clear candidate for me. Chicago shouldn't be doing this without Zach. Um, and Boston, they are very clearly going to get the number one seed unless something completely unforeseen happens. But the standout for me there, because Indiana is only half a game above Miami. I still think Miami might finish sixth, but remember, Indiana did get Pascal Siakam, so they're a better team now than they were before the season started. The main takeaway for me, the Cleveland Cavaliers have leapfrogged the Milwaukee Bucks. Glenn Rivers is hired, and they're 3-7, and slipping slowly. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know what Adrian Griffin did to those players. And the Cleveland (laughs) Cavaliers, are getting no love from the national media and it's very disappointing second seed evan mobley and darius garland were out and donovan mitchell has put this team on his back and has played so well and really- can't, oh my god and can't just, be, <laughs> can't just be one person as well when you're winning like this jared allen has been good you know guys like max streus george niang caris Levert, isaac okoro These guys deserve a lot more credit. They're getting none from the national media. It's despicable. If they get the two seed, that would be shocking because everybody predicted Boston, Milwaukee. And it looked like it was going to be that for
0: the longest time. Yeah. No, I think before the season started, you had, in no particular order, Boston, New York, Philly, Milwaukee. And obviously, Philly, the big asterisk as well, Dwellen beat. You know, he goes down. No one has him in the top four, and they're five right now. So that makes sense. But, yeah, the Cavs still – jumped in that mix and they're number two playing a little devil's advocate if it ended today and let, let's pretend that um the nine and ten seed the the bulls and and hawks don't make it right so it's just the top eight make it traditional kind of setup calves heat time who would you have heat and seven <laughs> And that's oh, my. I, but it
1: shouldn't <laughs> be actually you know what? i get you i get you i get you it should. So you were honest. You
0: were honest. Jimmy Butler is is a monster. I get it. They have you know. They have Heat culture. They have Bam. You know, like yeah, that that might be it. But, but I think but, that that's that's people's fear with the the Cavs. It's kind of the oh good story, but like come on, like mm-hmm. when we start when we really roll the balls out and, and play for keeps, like what's gonna happen? Well, again, that's why I asked. I wanted to see what what, what your idea was there. It's
1: less about Cleveland and more about Miami. Me giving them credit, sure. but now that I think about it. It should be the Cavs beat them in, like, six games max because they have an Isaac Okoro. It's a great defender to guard Jimmy. And they're, what's the Miami Heat's weakness? They're pretty small.
0: Yeah. My, my, then, yeah, you know, even Bam. Like, he's he's not, like, the, what you think of as a center and that kind of thing, yeah.
1: When we talk about the Clippers are thin at the four, Miami plays Kevin Love, and then that's it. Like, yeah. Caleb Martin at the four. Like, all these guys. Haywood Highsmith. The
0: that Cavs with Mobley and Allen, they're big. I would go Cavs in that lineup in that situation, but I would be very nervous. I just, (laughs) I would be very nervous. Of course, plenty of time for uh, the the Heat to move up. If it was the Pacers, I definitely pick the Cavs. To be honest, if it was Pacers seven, I'm like, oh yeah, Cavs take that one. So again, it's going to be a lot of matchup based stuff. The 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 league has a lot more parity than it did before. I think people are going to have to get away from oh a two seed would only lose to a seven seed once every like ten years. Like we're we're kind of past that now with how the NBA is. Don't you think part I of think it so.
1: is yeah, I, I agree with you, but don't you think part of it is that the top seeds are less intimidating because they're all like always changing? You have less of these powerhouse teams that have stayed for a couple of years. Like to beat San Antonio, you could like it, it was tough to beat the Kobe Gasol Lakers. You couldn't just show up like Dirk Nowitzki and them, they had trials and tribulations before they beat them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Same with the Thunder, yeah, they had they had a rite of passage, you know. They lost to the Lakers, then they then they two years later they beat them so. And even a so team think, like the Westbrook KD Thunder, they were not like yeah. they had that continuity. I think now you see, for example, the Bucks, they just got dame. Uh the Knicks, they've had their changes. Uh, the Clippers, like you know, the Suns. Every team constantly is changing. Uh, and I think maybe that's part of why Cleveland is doing so well, though they didn't make many changes.
0: Yeah, sometimes the best thing to do is is you know, stay the course, right? Um, I'll be curious at the end of this season, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look probably from 2020 to now because i i think what happens is the records don't matter as much and the teams do because when you look at it what teams have been consistently at the top the celtics the heat the denver the denver the nuggets and the lakers right the lakers missed that one season but they they won it all in 2020 they made the western conference 2023 We'll see what happens, you know, in 2024. We've seen the Heat make uh, two finals. We've seen the, the Celtics kind of oh, always there. So I think those teams have been the regardless of their standings. So maybe there's something there with the core teams kind of being at the end when we get to the final. So I'm going to take I'm going to do some like data research once we finish this year and see, OK, maybe let's let's do second round on what is there any consistency there? But I do agree there's a lot of parity and some of that does have to do with the, the player movement happening and and just. I think the league's kind of shifting it's changing right like we talk a lot about LeBron's old right Kawhi's older like like those young guys aren't ready yet so you're you're kind of seeing the league kind of in a, in a funny spot it kind of reminds me of where the league was in the late 90s early 2000s where it was a little bit of the wild west overall like the Knicks made the a, a number they made it made it in the lockout year they made it all the way to the the end it was kind of like Kobe and the Lakers weren't ready so the Jazz still kind of won those series and like Things were kind of shifting a little bit, and then the, of of course, San Antonio established themselves. Lakers established themselves. Detroit established themselves. But it took a little bit of time to kind of settle in, and I feel like that's happening now with LeBron being well past thirty five and KD being past thirty five. Like you're starting to see that they're old, but like Ja, Trey, you know, and they're not quite ready yet. So they're winning those regular season games, but those playoff series, you know, we saw that last year with the Kings, right? Kings, um, Warriors. You saw that. Oh. You're not quite ready to beat those established teams when that happens, and that's what makes something like Cavs Heat interesting, because you know the Heat can do it. They literally did it last year, and with the Cavs, you're like, "Ooh, I don't know if you can eliminate Jimmy Butler." That makes me nervous, and it's because we haven't seen it yet. So we're gonna see. There's either gonna be a changing of the guard, or we're gonna see those Trident two teams do what they do, which is say, "Okay, the, the, the Cavs, the the Warrior, the Heat, literally." We're in AC last year and ran through the division. So they're like, okay, sure. We'll play a home, a road game. Like, <laughs> good luck. So that'll be fun to see when we get there. Um, all right. So let's take a look real quick at the West, uh, starting with the Jazz, who are briefly out there at the 11th spot. And back in the play, and speak of the devil. Warriors right there at 10. Nine, Lakers. Eight, we got the Kings. Seven, we got the Mavericks. And out of the play-in, still, we got the pelis right there at 6, 5 Suns, 4 Nuggets, 3, the Clippers end at the 3, and we have the Thunder 2 and the Timberwolves 1. So, Dime, hearing 1 through 11 there, what stands out to you right now?
1: Stand out is that 5 through 10 is very much interchangeable and in play, it seems like. I think that the Pelicans really impressed me. They've won three straight games now. They're 7-3 and in their last 10. And they're finally starting to see some good luck with health so far with Zion Ingram and McCollum, so I'm happy for them. And then Dallas, they've won six in a row. The pickups of Gafford and P.J. Washington strengthened their depth. Uh, They're in a solid spot, 7-seed. I think they're having a good season. Golden State being back in the mix, as you mentioned. And then Minnesota and OKC. I mean, that's the takeaway. Minnesota being number one just unbelievable and then OKC second of course so it looks like we'll see if anything changes in the last 30 games but Clippers Denver Wolves and Thunder seems like they're going to be the teams that get home court this year we'll see I hope so because that would mean the Clippers get home court in the first round for the first time since 2021
0: okay so here let's let's break it down right now we have T-Wolves one Thunder two Clippers three Nuggets four I'm going to ask you straight up, so give me a straight up answer. Is that going to be the order after we finish the 82 games? Nope. What changes? Clippers will be higher than the Thunder. I agree. I think that, I think the Nuggets are also going to be higher. I, I, I think, I'm going to say it, Thunder are going to drop to four. Maybe five. Because Thunder the Suns are... Fun.
1: Thunder Suns first round would be must see television. I'd be really I think sp- we're getting Thunder hard Suns. for OKC, but Phoenix, I think, will
0: win. Ooh, I think if OKC has home court, they win. I think if if the if the if Phoenix has home court, OKC gonna again. Remember last year, we we didn't do the show last year. I wish we did because the Pelicans were right around here. Then they had some injuries. They were like number one, and then they they dropped. I think no one believed that one though. Everyone kind of felt like oh, they're gonna fall, and they kind of fell more due to injuries versus like. Their performance, but either way, they fell, and then they were never the same. I think, I think the T Wolves are going to stay up there. I think I've seen enough that they're going to stay up there. I think the Thunder, it's very fragile. What is it like a game behind the Clippers, and it's like a game and a half with the Nuggets? It's really close. I mean, a game and a half between two and four—that's a huge drop off, right? That means you're going on the road in the second round versus you know only going on the road if the the one seat stays up there, right? So that that's a huge difference. So. I think that it's, it's tight up there. I think the Clippers are going to stay as good as they are minus entries. And I think the Nuggets, they're just going to, they know they just need to turn it up just a little bit to get the two or three seed. I think they'll do enough to, to make sure they're, they're up there. They're a shoe in for easily 55, 56 wins. So I think the Thunder are just going to fall enough to either get four or five. I think they, they won't fall as far as six, but I think they will be four or five when it's over and when it comes to the plan, I'm really interested. I think the Pelicans end up in the plan. I think the Mavericks move up, and the Lakers have already talked privately about what their goals are. Um, Darvin Ham made this public, so I can talk about it. He he talked about it during his press conference, his last one in, in Los Angeles, that they've mapped out the games left and they've projected three different goals for what's like realistic. Because he mentioned, obviously, you know, win all your games. Okay, we're not going to win 30 straight, right? I think everyone knows the Lakers are going to win 30 straight. So, what's realistic? What's possible? They said they looked at the schedule. They've made three different markers for like where they need to get to, at least from what they projected, to get to the six seed, to get to the seven seed, to get to the eight seed, to kind of try to avoid. One of the things he mentioned is the goal is to get better and to avoid having a one game elimination. Because if you're for the 9 10, you just need to win, you just need to lose one game. You lose that 9-10 game, you're out. And even if you win that one, one more, you're out. Versus 7-8, and 8, the advantage of being 7-8 and 8 is you need to lose twice. You need to lose that 7-8 game, and then you need to lose the other game that you'll host. So you have you really want to make sure you're at least in that 7-8, so you have to lose two times to be eliminated versus 9-10. and 10, It's very fragile. So they're right there. They're only one win away from the Kings in, in the win column. It's a little bit more... When you actually look at it, but you know they're, they're 31 wins for the Kings, 30 for the Lakers, so they're not too far away from that. And I think they can still get the six seed, but I, I'm gonna assume it's just a little too much. So I think the goal's gotta be seven, get the seven seed, and then from there, you know, hey, we're gonna host the game in LA. Whoever that team is, take care of business. Here's a the seven seed, man. The two seed, it might be the Clippers, Lakers, Clippers first round, two seven. <laughs> it's we're not that far away. We just need both teams to we need both we need the clippers to move up to two. And if the Lakers move up to eight and they win, there you go. Two seven. That's all it takes. So it it, it could be basketball on Figueroa from crypto and the two seven seed. I might have to make that happen. That, that would be pretty nice. Um that'd be interesting. It's not in the cards. We'll see. So yeah, of course, long way to go. The Clippers have to go up, the Lakers have to go up. You know, plenty can happen here, but I'm really excited. Uh, All-Star break, many people think of it as a halftime, but we are well past that. We're almost down to the final quarter. We just have a handful of games. Uh, So before we wrap it up, uh, tell me what the most exciting thing you're looking forward to in the All-Star weekend festivities. Are you looking forward to the game the most, the three-point contest, the dunk contest, or the Sabrina staff uh, three-point contest is happening uh, on Saturday?
1: I think All-Star Weekend has gone in a huge decline. It used to be my favorite thing, and now I I don't even get excited for it. I barely watch it. It it was literally the greatest thing ever. Um, I I think my most excited event or event that I'm most excited for is Sabrina and Steph.
0: Yeah, me too. Same thing. Um, We talked about it before, but we lost that recording. Yeah, it used to be like the, oh, you can see all the stars. Also, back in the day when you didn't have League Pass and you weren't as engaged, it also was a time for you to see all the stars. You probably only saw your local team and then whatever ESPN, ABC, NBC showed. So it definitely was a little bit more important because you're like, oh, okay, now it's everyone. And again, I think they were more competitive. The games were more fun. You know, again, that's a mixture of how the leagues change and nostalgia and and all that stuff, right? So, but yeah, I agree. I'm not as excited about it this year than I have been, you know, maybe 10 years ago. But I am excited for Steph. Sabrina, I think that's going to be really interesting. I think it's great that Steph's like embracing like, hey, you have the record for most points in a three-point contest. Like, let's 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 go at it. Like, let's do that. It's way better than seeing Steph try to win it again. We know he's the best shooter in the NBA. All he can, he's kind of in a lose-lose. If he wins it, people are like, yeah, well, that's Steph. And if he loses it, it's like, oh, you should have won. So it's like, okay, this is something to give him a different challenge and, and, you know, come at it from a different perspective. And then also keep the three-point contest as is. So I think it's, it's just adding to the intrigue of the night. So... Before I give my answer, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Dime, who wins, Steph or Sabrina? I'm gonna go with Sabrina. Okay, I'm gonna. Oh, I'm gonna go with Sabrina too. But my concern for Sabrina is, I'm sure she's working hard right now because she's in the off season. But she's in her off season. How rusty is she gonna feel like putting on the actual jersey and going in front of a crowd? Like she hasn't done that since uh, the WNBA Finals. Versus Steph, he's like in tip-top shape. He's literally dragging the Warriors in these games. So he's like, you know, imagine if he has if Steph had to do this in summer league. He's a shooter, so he'll be fine. But you're probably like, you're probably not as sharp as he is right now. So that's my only thing for, for Sabrina. I'm very curious if she shoots from the WNBA line or the NBA line. The rules have been very clear. Sabrina's going to shoot from the WNBA. Uh, Steph's going to shoot from the NBA. Steph's going to use an, an NBA ball. Sabrina's going to use a WNBA ball. So that's been they, they've established that. But Sabrina's talked on Twitter and stuff that, no, I'm going to shoot from the NBA line, which I think is totally fine if you watched any, like literally just Google her highlights. She shoots from way past the WNBA line. So I don't think that's an issue. I'm just curious if she kind of backpedals in there and then decides, you know what, let me actually shoot from that, Or if she says, you know what, go big or go home, I'm going from deep. And again, uh, I'm not really worried about Sabrina with that aspect because, I've seen her shoot from the logo, like a regular jump shot and make it plenty of time. So she'll be fine. It'll be fun. It'll be exciting. Uh, I just hope she's kind of in in basketball shape despite the fact this is her offseason. So I'll be curious to see that. And yeah, for me, that's the biggest thing. I'll still watch a little bit of everything else just for the culture, but uh, I'm less excited about it. I can't wait for it to come next year to California. It's going to be in the Bay. And after that, I don't know if you know, Diane, but the Clippers have a new stadium. And they're going to have All-Star. And All-Star is coming to LA. So that one's definitely going to be fun. I think I'll be in the Intuit Dome before then. But I'll definitely be there for that. No doubt about it. It's going to be really interesting watching the Clippers host an All-Star game. I'm sure if I told you that like 10 years ago, you would have been like, I don't know. when What gonna even mean. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, your house, you're the team. It, it's going to be a Clippers moment in a couple years. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be wild, having everyone come here. The NBA world, the basketball world, come here and and go to the Clippers Stadium and 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 celebrate that. It's gonna be fun.
1: Absolutely, uh, we we yelled some time before then, but an amazing uh, event for the Clippers and just shows how far they've come to host something like that. Ballmer.
0: Yeah, Ballmer. Hey, um, I have my qualms with the Clippers, but Ballmer, I have no qualms. He's a great owner. He's a, seems like a great guy. He spends his money. I mean, anyone, that's what you want your owner to be. You don't want your owner complaining about the luxury tax and this and that and making excuses and Ballmer, you know, for he he can be memeable, but he definitely his heart's in the right place. He wants the team to win. He wants to win and he wants to do whatever he needs to do to to get it done. And if his biggest fault is he gets too excited. I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that versus a cheap owner who's just trying to turn a profit because they see the NBA as a money machine. Like, you want an owner like Ballmer, everyone does. So, uh, yeah, it's that's going to be a scene. I can't wait for that. All right, so that's the end of Episode 17.2 of Basketball Figure Raw. I'm Aaron Garcia. That was Slash Is Dar E. N. Vasiri, a.k.a. Time Trapper. Enjoy All-Star Weekend, and we out.